Bless the Lord. I do. Um, we're, glad, um, we're glad to have Sister Gannett back with us. She's uh, been missed and also has missed being here. So she uh, gave me a hug today and just kept hanging on. So we appreciate that. Turn, if you would, please, to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 25. And I'll read it to you out of the New Living Translation. It says, Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. Don't. See, what we have to realize is the Lord is always speaking, but we're not always listening. There's the problem. He's always speaking into the earth, always putting forth his desire for our lives individually, corporately. And, but the real uh, question is, are we listening for his still small voice? Lord, help us to be have an ear tuned to him through his word, through all that uh, in our time of prayer and worship as he speaks to us. Let us be attentive. It's one thing to recognize the voice of the Lord. It's a totally different thing to obey the voice of the Lord. A lot of times we hear, but we don't obey. So if we haven't obeyed, we haven't really heard. Well, let's continue here. <clears throat> let's refuse not to listen to the one who is speaking. For the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, their earthly messenger. We will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks from the heavens, speaks unto us from the heavens. Moses was a earthly minister, minister. Lord would speak to Moses, and Moses would speak to the children of Israel. At first, he would speak to them, and they said, when he went on Mount Sinai and all the thunder and lightning and all so forth, don't let him talk to us. Let him talk to you, and then we'll have you talk to us, and then we'll decide if we're going to obey you or not. Well, that's the reality of it. And man hasn't changed that much since then. How are we going to escape? See, but because they didn't, wouldn't listen to even Moses... It was costly for them. It was costly for them. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, Therefore we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. In Philip's translation, not allow ourselves, allow ourselves to drift away from him. We can hear what he has said, 
And that, see, the Word of God is forever. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't uh, say one thing one day and um, doesn't give a mixed message. He is not double-minded. So what he told us yesterday to do is still valid today. Why would he speak to you again if you haven't obeyed what he said last time? Well, we need to continue to have an ear to hear, thus saith the Lord. But too often, he'll speak to us maybe through another earthen vessel. Even if it witnesses on our spirit, when it is tried, we'll say, well, that was only Sister Glidell saying that. I have found that the voice of the Lord sounds a whole lot like hers. I'll just leave that alone. You can interpret that however you want. He's directed me many times from something she has said. Quicken it in my spirit. Sometimes I've accepted it willingly. Sometimes not so willingly. I'm just being honest. If we be honest, sometimes that's the way we... We accept God's word, sometimes rejoicingly, and sometimes, really, Lord? Well, maybe you're more spiritual than that, then. Blessed be his holy name. Let's, be, let's not drift away from the last thing we've heard God say. Last thing that he has quickened to us in, our, in his word. Are we still laying hold of that? Or have we let it slip away from us? Actually, we're slipping away from it. Blessed be his name. Verse 2, still in Hebrews 2. For the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedient received a just reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at first began by the spoken, to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those things who heard him? When he speaks to us, again, he has a multitude of ways of speaking to us. He can speak to us in the middle of a situation. He can speak to us through his written word. He can speak to you through something that you've heard from a minister. The key is, are you listening? Do you come, do you come to the house of God expecting not only to give him adoration, but to receive a word from him? Because you'll get what you expect. If you come not expecting anything, don't be disappointed when you, don't, when you leave with nothing. Well, blessed Jesus, let us not neglect our great salvation. Let us not neglect what God has done in our lives. 
Sister Janet won't forget God's faithfulness in all of this. She could have started off with, Lord, you could have kept me from falling down the stairs and tumbling like a little, you know, tumbleweed type thing. And Lord, why me, Lord? Oh, it hurts. Why me? I see what he taught her, among other things, is he is faithful. By the way, she didn't ask for anything, but God supplied her need. The body did. He used the body to supply her need. You know what? That solidified the fact that she is here and belongs here. She's in the right place. Can you understand what I'm saying? Being God's children, things that happen in our life are not just happenstance. Steps of a righteous man are what? Appointed of the Lord. So whatever's going on in your life is not just a, you know, happenstance. God has allowed it, and if he's allowed it, it's for our good sometimes. Always. Always. So when we get in the midst of something, said, why me, Lord? Because I want to teach you something. That's why you. So we can either learn it the first time or wait for it to come around again. Because he's a good teacher. He's not going to let you remain ignorant. Well, Amen, Brother Chuck. Well, thank you. It's still the truth. Hebrews 10:28. Anyone who rejects rejected Moses' law died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Philip says it this way, um, 29. How much more dreadful a punishment will be through uh, be thought to be deserved, who has poured scorn, listen to this, on the Son of God, treated like dirt the blood of the agreement or the new covenant, which had once uh, made him once made him holy and insulted the very spirit of grace. Once we have received him, once the, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed us from all the unrighteousness, if we turn away from him and, and walk and not still walk in our own way, it doesn't necessarily have to be turning around to sin, but talk, turn around from his way, his way of doing things, his, his love and graciousness toward others. If we just take his salvation and run and live our lives just like we always have. We're putting scorn on his precious blood. His blood, his salvation is not just to save us from hell, but to bring us into his kingdom. 
We are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. If you refuse to be conformed, you're spitting on what he's done. Is that what it says? Well, help us, Lord. See, he saved us not just from hell, but to something. His kingdom. His overcoming in the midst of the earth. Blessed be his, G- his name. I don't want to, to count the blood of Jesus Christ as nothing, just to walk on. And the relationship of the new covenant. See, if your life hasn't been changed by the applying of the blood of Jesus Christ, I, doubts, I have doubts on whether you have really repented. Because the word repentance means to turn away. And let me break it to you. It just means turn away and not look back. So what does it say? If you put your hand to the plow and you turn back, turn around, you're not worthy. Oh, Jesus, help me. Two weeks in a row, I've been hard. Blessed be his name. But God, we're in a point of time that we can't play church any longer. We can't fake being God's child. Well, God's calling us to, to himself. And he said, I won't draw iniquity to my bosom. So if we're holding iniquity in our heart, guess where we're not going? Well, I know he's gracious. I know he's merciful. But if we willfully hang on to those things in our life that God has said, drop it. Well, let's continue. Hebrews 3.12 out of the Amplified. Therefore, beware, brethren, take care lest any of you any one of you of a wicked, unbelieving heart which refuses to cleave to, trust in, and rely on faithless or weak in faith. I'm leading, uh, leading you to turn away and desert or stand aloof from the living God. I'm afraid... I really appreciated what um, Sister Sonia said this, uh, an opening in worship, and she, she had no idea what I was ministering on, but her worship and her comments just kind of mesh with what God's laid on my heart. God, she said it perfectly, she said that things aren't going like I thought, but I know God's in control. How many times when have we in the past things hadn't gone the way we thought and we've 
chose to blame God for it. Lord, what did you let this happen for? This isn't what I planned. But if we could hear him and say, but it's what I planned. And my ways are for your good all ways. Our good always. You know, you all know, know that we had big plans of, uh, of being the next great architect. But God, being raised in a pastor's home, I knew what being a pastor meant. And I did not relish that in any way, shape, or form. You know, again, told you so many times, Glidell said, you fooled me. I married an architect and you became a pastor. And you made her a student. <laughs> An unemployed student. She told me one night, we were laying in bed, and she said, I married a bum. I said, what? You have an old beat-up car. You don't have a job. I married a bum. Unfortunately, she was right. I, I had, you know, she was working, supporting me while I was, I was going to school. But I tell you this, another thing, she's been supporting me for the last 32 years as I've been a pastor, too. Thank the Lord. So, in... And, again, I wondered why I had gone through architectural school until we got here and we added an addition. Then I knew why. Because I knew exactly what the builders were talking about. I knew how to read, read the plans. I knew what the city was talking about because of my background. Blessed be his name. The Lord knows what he's doing. Blessed be his name. In and through all that, and through our life, and we're going to all of that stuff, the Lord has taught us to trust him. Through financial woes, through problems before we got into the ministry, all sorts of things. God was faithful. Supplied our needs in un, a miraculous ways. No expectation, and God was there. Blessed be his name. He always knows what's best for us. And the reality is that he knows that way ahead of where we are. Thank you, Lord.
We only see it step by step. He knows the goal he's leading us to. Blessed be his name. Verse 13 out of the Phillips translation. Encourage each other every day while it's still today. And beware that none of you become deaf and blind through, uh, through the de- uh, delusive uh, glamour of sin. The deceptive glamour of sin. Well, because you're saved doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted. God's purposing for us, and He is faithful to strengthen us in the midst of temptation. And we'll get to touch on that in a little bit. Blessed be his name. Verse 14 out of the New Living Translation. For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed. What Sonia said, do you remember how you trusted him when you first got saved? I'm going over there. Yes! Just as faithful as he is then, he wants to be now. But it's totally dependent upon how much we remain faithful to him. Or do we allow circumstances to make us be less faithful? Lord, I've got this situation, and so uh, I know you've got a purpose, but... uh, I've got an idea how to get out of it. How's that worked out for you? Blessed Jesus. We will share um, we will share in all the things that belong to Christ. Remember what is said. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they were rebelled, as Israel did when, uh, excuse me, as Israel did when they rebelled. Psalms 95. What is he talking about there? Starting at verse 8. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, as in the day of temptation, in the wilderness. Keep your finger there and flip, if you will, to Exodus uh, 17. Exodus, the day of provocation. Starting at verse 1. All the congregation of the children of Israel journeyed from the wilderness of sin. The word sin there means a bush. After their journey, according to the commandments of the, the mouth of the Lord, and pitched in Rephidim, which means a reclining place, a place of rest, and there was no water. 
for the people to drink. Wherefore the people did chide, did, did uh, quarrel, contend with Moses, and said, Give us water that we may drink. And Moses said unto them, Why chide you? Why you contend with me? And wherefore do you tempt, provoke, put God to the proof? And the people thirsted there for water, and the people murmured against Moses and said, Listen to this. Wherefore is, is this that you know, has brought us, us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our cattle with thirst? I find it interesting that the further they got away from Egypt, the less they remembered what Egypt was about. How quickly we forget the pit that God dug us out of. Help us, Lord. They, for 400 years, were slaves, beaten and misused, having no rights, just property. And God delivered them miraculously, sent 10 plagues, a plague against every, every god that Egypt had showing himself greater to being than being their, their gods. How quickly we forget. The God that was able to deliver them out of bondage. After a few days, they're wondering, can God give us water? We're thirsty. We've been better off if we were back there. At least we had water to drink then. Oh, God, help us. Too often, I'm afraid, sometimes we look back at our former state longingly. Have mercy, my Holy One. Moses cried out to the Lord. Jehovah is the, is the um, Hebrew name there. That covenant-keeping God, the one who is and was and is to come, the eternal one, saying, what shall I do unto this people? They're almost ready to stone me. Just a few weeks earlier, they were rejoicing with him that he brought them through the sea. Hmm. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go on before the people and take with thee the elders of Israel, all the chief men of each tribe, and thy rod where you smote the river, and take thy hand and take it in thy hand. And behold, I will stand before thee upon the rock of Horeb, which is another word for Sinai. Hmm. Where else do we hear Sinai? They went around this mountain a lot. And thou shalt smite the rock, and there shall come out water that the people may drink. And Moses did so in this sight of the elders of Israel. And it was called by the name of 
Massa, which is temptation, means temptation, and Maribel, which means strife, because of the chiding of the people of Israel. And because of the, they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? God help us if we get to that point. Forgetting that he said will never leave us or forsake us. Is there a situation in our lives where we could forget what he has done? God help us. Blessed be his name. Let's go back to Psalm 95. Verse 9. And when your fathers uh, tempted me and proved me and saw my work, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation. And I said, It is a people that, that do err in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. It's one thing to know. See, that's what he said about the children of Israel. They, they don't know me, but they, or they know me from afar off, but Moses knows my ways. What he wants is to have a people that know his ways. Know his ways. That even when he is not doing things the way we think he should do them, that we have enough faith in him that his way for us is our best way. Blessed Jesus. His way is always the best way. Always. Let's continue. Verse 11. Unto whom I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. He had a purpose for them. He had a rest for them that surpasses their understanding because they were stiff-necked and rebellious people they never were able to enter into what God had prepared for them even in the, the land of promise they couldn't enter into it he gave them permission to conquer the whole land and I think they conquered three or four areas. Well, they conquered less than half of what he had promised them. Because they were afraid of the people that were there. My God, help us. Let's continue here. Hebrews 4, verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering in his rest 
it's the Greek word katapalo there. Kata or kata means together. And palo means rest or pause. They have, they, uh, therefore, they have not entered into my rest. I want to have with them together. See, there's, there's on our rest, there's a definition of that, but then there's his rest that he wants to share with us. A corporate rest. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I'm entering into the rest, still holds and is offered today. His rest is still ours to lay hold of today. Let us be afraid to distrust it, as any of you should think he has come too late and has come short of reaching it. Verse 2. For indeed we have had the glad tidings of the gospel and proclaimed to us just as the truth as they, uh, they Israel of old when they had the good news and deliverance from bondage out of Egypt came to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because it was not mixed with faith. Listen to what the Amplified says about faith. With the leaning on entirely uh, on the entire personality of God in absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. They didn't, wouldn't lean upon him for all that who he is. God help us if we're only partially leaning on him. I'm afraid too many of us, and I've done it in the past myself, but, and I'm learning not to do it even more, I trust myself and God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And he says, just all he says to do is trust me. Lean not on your own understanding. Well, part of that don't you understand. Lean not, but lean on me. Lean on me. Blessed be his name. Let's continue there. And his, his power, wisdom, and goodness by those who have heard it, neither were they united in faith with the ones, Joshua and Caleb, and you find that in, I think it's Numbers 13. It's where they sent the 12 spies into the promised land. And 10 came back with an evil report. The people are too big. They're giants. The cities are walled and high. And we just, oh. It's a land that flows with milk and honey, but the people. Now, Joshua and Caleb saw the same people, saw the same, you know, beautiful land, flowing of milk and honey, but they didn't have a but. What did they say? We are, if God is for, we're well able to go up and take the country. But the, 
this case, the majority wasn't right. And it cost them 40 years of dying, a whole generation of dying in the wilderness. Everyone from 20 years old, from 20 up, died in the wilderness. They had millions of funerals in the wilderness. Because they had a but. We can't do it. Didn't have faith that God could do it. Now Joshua and Caleb looked at the same things they did, but with different eyes. Eyes of faith. Eyes of faith. Blessed Jesus. They didn't believe what they had heard. See, what they had forgot that the Lord said, this country is yours. You're well able to go take it. I will go before you and destroy the people. But Lord, we've never seen that happen before. God's done a lot of things we have never seen before. How many have something that God did in your life that you'd never seen him do before? Well, just because we hadn't seen it doesn't mean that he can't do it. Don't be weak in faith or faithless, having less faith. Jesus, help us. The, word, the root word for, the, for entering his rest is the verb powell, which means to pause. Now, he says that God's promised us a rest. We got that in, in verse 1. Enter into his rest, where we cease from our labors, and rejoice and work in his labors. Well, but that's one of the hardest things we, have, we can do. To cease from our ways of doing things. But God, I, I, I've got an idea, God. He doesn't need your idea. He is the ideal. Okay? He knows where he's taking you, what it's going to cost, and how to get you there. Let's think about this. They were on the brink of the promised land, but because they didn't trust God, they went around in circles for 40 years and came back to the same place they were 40 years before. I don't think that's, you can uh, call that progress. I call it pitiful. Ending up in the same place, entering and crossing the same river to get into the promised land that they could have been in 40 years previous. 
a whole generation before. God help us. God help us. Let's not go around the same circumstance time and time and time again. Our circumstance may look different, but is it, is it stemming from the same thing? Our lack of faith in God's ability to bring us through. Thank you, Holy One. So there's three layers or three uh, levels to this word rest. The first level is, it simply means to rest or desist, stop working. And that's what, we, that's the easiest part, we just a matter of us stop doing what we're doing. For some of us. Some of us rest easier than others. I keep hearing this small, still voice coming from the living room. Chuck, it's 8 o'clock. It's time to stop. 8 o'clock at night, it's time to stop studying and working. You need some rest. Still small, small voice. If I don't hear it the first time, it gets a little louder the next time. Yes. Stand up a second, huh? <laughs> She's sore from moving yesterday. But for 48 years, this one has been by my side faithful, and I can lean on her. She's been part of my rest. You understand? I don't doubt, don't dismiss what she says, for I know she has everything for my good always. Can you understand that? Just as she is faithful and the natural realm and in the spiritual realm, we have one that is just that faithful. His name is Jesus Christ. He did not stutter when he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He's always there. The problem is we don't recognize all the time that he's there. particularly when the time is says, Lord, I don't see any good coming out of this situation. We've faced a few things like that. And I said, Lord, what good is going to come out of this? But we kept holding on in faith. Everything got darker, more ominous. But we held on in faith. And then, great people of faith that we were, we were amazed when God delivered. Anybody been there? Well, what else did you expect him to do? 
What were you holding faith for? A halfway? Well, God always is faithful. And he's always got a solution that's abundantly above what we could ask or think. Anybody known that happened? Well, blessed be his name. When he starts by having us cease from our labor. That's a rest. A 30-fold rest, if you will. Think of the parable of the sower where the seeds brought by 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Our 30-fold rest is the fact that we stop and just rest and trust God. The next level of it is get a release from sin. That's a 60-fold round. That's when we begin to walk with him and we find out that the things we used to do, we no longer have an appetite for. Things we used to do in the flesh. We lose that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And then the hundredfold realm is that we lose the enticement of sin. Where sin has no enticement to us anymore. We don't even think about that. Can you understand what I'm saying? We're so in love, so fixed with our eyes upon him, the things of earth grow strangely dim, as it says in the old hymn. We no longer look for, we find, uh, see, this 60-fold realm is things that we used to do. In the 100-fold realm, it's about attitude. We stop doing the things, saying the things, defending ourselves, and let God do it. Anybody squirming yet? not holding things in anymore that God said years ago to let go of. And said, will you trust me? That's his rest, his final rest, where there is no, nothing further between myself and my Savior. I'm not holding anybody not holding any grudges, any vengefulness. Um, see, because those are sin also. Because when we think of sin, we think of actions. God take care of the actions in the 64. What he's really after is your mindsets. Bless you, Lord God. Now, I stuck in here again. Um, if you have sinful desires in your heart, a lack of opportunity may be the only thing that keeps you from acting on them.
Let me amen and here, pause and or sila, amen and pause and think about that. Again, it's not, not just actions, it's attitudes. When you see that person that has harmed you or wronged you walk into the room, we have a choice whether to let all that come up and anger and malice and so forth, or we can release it to the Lord and say, Lord, I forgive them. But they don't deserve forgiving. Didn't say they had to be deserve it, but you have to forgive. By the way, did you deserve forgiving? I rest my case. Yes. With a couple explanation points. Blessed Jesus. Verse 26. When God spoke on Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Joel 3.16 says, The Lord also will roar from Zion, his kingdom authority, and will utter his voice from Jerusalem. And the heavens and the earth will shake, but the Lord will be a shelter for his people and a strength to the children of Israel. Again, speaking of his people. When he's shaking the earth, he is still going to protect his people. He will shake everything that can be shaken. Are there things in our lives that are shakable? Haggai 2.6 and 7. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the Lord of all of God's army in heaven, heavenly army, Lord of hosts. Once more, it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and earth and the sea and dry land, and I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill the temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. In the midst of the shaking, we have a deposit, a promise of his presence to fill the temple. Physical and our natural temple. If he's filling our temple, it doesn't matter what is shaking and rocking and rolling around us we have we're standing on the rock hallelujah things may be rocking and rolling around us but we don't have to be rocking and rolling well verse 27 out of the amplified now this expression is yet once more indicates that the final removal of and transformation of all that can be shaken, that is, that which has been created in order that what cannot be shaken may remain and continue. God is going to shake the, not only the heavens, not only the earth, but the heavens and remove everything, shake everything that is not godly. And it will crumble. Well, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 
starting at verse 3. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare... Now, let me just pause here a second. This has two levels. It has a personal level and it has a heavenly level. Yes, there are principalities and power and powers in high places, and that we, we are to resist those. But what he's talking about here is the high and elevated, also talking about here is the high and elevated things we have in the top of our head, in our mind. Well, and let me, as I expound on this, you'll understand. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty or capable through God unto the pulling down or to the uh, demolition of strongholds. The word stronghold there is a fortified position, an argument. The thing that was keeping you from going on um, keeping you from going on is that stronghold or the uh, will and that uh, which will not be subject to God or for not, will not forget the past. We have a stronghold. We have an elevated, we can have elevated thinking. God convicts us of something and we have a choice. When conviction comes, we always have a choice. We can submit to the conviction and ask for forgiveness and grace to work through it, or we can say, no, I cannot do that, they don't deserve that, or whatever the case may be. That's just the way I am. We don't use those words because we know better to do that. We just ignore what he convicted us about. We'd rather hang on to our rightful enmity than submit and forgive and release. And won't forget what's happened in the past. Boy, it's very quiet here. Bless you, Jesus. Let's continue. Pulling down of strongholds is those things that we've been holding on to for years or even new things. See, when we have one stronghold, we like to fortify the stronghold. Anybody know? Well, I won't put you on the spot but we keep on adding layers to that stronghold because we want to justify our stronghold. Well, that's the truth. We want to justify our feelings and why we need to hang on to that because I'm right. Well, you can be dead right. See on that one for a while. 
if you continue to walk in that sin, the soul that sins will die. Well, God has forgiven me. He's forgiven you of that which you have confessed. Hmm. Casting down or throwing down imaginations, thoughts or reasonings. We have reasons for hanging on to those things. Valid reasons. But are your valid reasons worth missing God's best for you? You have right to that. But are you giving up what God pur God's purpose is for you in a fuller extent by holding on to those strongholds, those thoughts and reasonings that you keep reinforcing every day? Or every year at least. Because we like to justify. You notice that we never have to justify a right position. Hello, anybody listening out there? We only justify those things that are iffy. We only justify those things that in our deepness of our heart where the Holy Spirit is saying, you're wrong, we still justify those things. Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, come. Convict and convince. See, in Romans 8, 13, it says, If you live according to the flesh, you will die. Your flesh says you need to hold on to that, that resentment, the hurt, whatever it is. The flesh says you, did, you were wrong, you deserve to hang on to that. But if by the Spirit you put, on, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Let's continue on. Casting down imaginations and high things. High things are barriers or elevated thinking or uh, that which is lifted up and exalted itself against the knowledge, the, the understanding of God and bring into captivity the thoughts, the, the purposes, the pre uh, uh, perceptions to the obedience of Christ. How many know that we all enter in, even into faith, with perceptions that are not godly? And God loves us enough to confront those perceptions. So do you want to hold on to your thoughts and your perceptions, or do you want God to deal with them? Because you hold on to your perceptions, and that limits what God can do in you and through you. And I don't know about you, but I want him to do as much as he can in me and through me. Well, Jesus, help me. Let's continue. 
verse 6, and having in readiness to revenge or avenge all disobedience, unwillfulness to hear. Some of you may be hearing what's being said and unwillful to hear it. You can hear physically, but I don't believe that. Go ahead. That's your prerogative, your choice. And uh, having all readiness to avenge all disobedience when the obedience is fulfilled. The only way you get rid of all this stuff is being obedient to his word. We make things much harder than necessary. Just think back. How hard was it when you first came to faith to say, Lord Jesus, forgive me? Did you have to go through all sorts of rituals and so forth? What did you have to do? Lord, I confess my sins to you. I need a Savior. Come and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Bam! Done. Did he tell you? Okay. Now, for the next three weeks, you've got to go through penance to make sure you really meant what you asked me to do. And after those three weeks, I'll decide whether you're worthy of forgiveness or not. That's what we do. Those people aren't worthy of forgiveness. Were you worthy? Pastor Chuck, how come you keep making this so personal? Because it is. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. Life and death is in the power of your decision. I'll forgive or I won't forgive. Or we follow her up and say, well, I can't forgive. They're gonna, I can't, they don't deserve to be forgiven. Neither do we. I'm just going to read verse 28 and 29 here. Lord willing, we'll pick up these two verses next week. Therefore, since, since we received a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we, we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverential reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Bring your marshmallows next week. We're going to have a campfire. Let's stand, please. God is faithful. He always does what he says he's going to do. Father, we ask you truly to come and seal this word. Seal it in our hearts, my Holy One. Holy Spirit, where necessary, convict and convince. 
Bring release, my God, as we ask. As we release, my God, we will be released. And we thank you, my Holy One, that too many, too many of us, my God, have walked in bondage for too many years. And we can't see how it could happen. But God, who is ever faithful, will do exactly what you say you're going to do. I will forgive you as you forgive others. The same measure that you measure, that's how I'll forgive you. Lord, I don't want anything in my life that doesn't allow you to forgive me. So, Lord, we thank you. And, Lord, we ask truly that you seal this word to our hearts. Let us walk in it, my God. Let us walk in the liberty and the freedom of forgiveness. We ask all these things in the holy and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? amen. Lord bless you. See you on Wednesday night for Bible study.